0: Welcome to the Deep Light Podcast from Park City's Presbyterian Church. This is a space for community, healing, hope, and education around topics of rescue and growth. Our prayer for this series is that it illuminates a deeper understanding of struggles within and around us, as well as God's profound love and redemptive light in Jesus Christ.
1: Well, hi, I want to welcome everybody to our Latest episode of Deep Light. My name is Mark Davis. I serve as one of the pastors of Park City's Presbyterian Church, and I'm delighted to have you joining us today, either on video or just listening to us. Today, I have the great privilege of interviewing Will Washington, who is the leader of our high school ministry and has done and is doing a great job. We're very encouraged by that. We're in a series on parenting, and, well, you're not a parent at the moment, right? That's correct. That is correct. But he hangs out with high school students and middle school students and has for a very long time and has a lot of insight into how they think, what they're feeling, and ultimately what we think God wants uh, for all of his children. So thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's fun to be here. The Deep Light Podcast. The Deep Light Podcast. It's meant to be deep. It's meant to be light. There can be laughter. There can be tears. But what I want to do today is I want to start just by you telling us a bit of your story about you coming to faith, mm-hmm. where'd you grow up? When did you become pretty serious about Jesus Christ? Uh, all those things. I'd just love to yeah. start there because I think it'd be, I bet a lot of people don't really know your story.
0: Yeah. Well, and it, it relates to high school student and, mm-hmm. and ministry with that age group. So yeah. it's, it's kind of cool because that was a lot of when my life was changed. So I grew up in an awesome family. We're all really close Um, a mom, dad and younger sister Mm -hmm. and grew up in a Christian home and and they had me in church and and all that. And then um, really what happened with me is when we, we switched churches, when I went into middle school Mm -hmm. and the leader of that middle school program became my small group leader. And he was my small group leader from sixth grade all the way through 12th grade. And so Mm -hmm. what happened for me is even having grown up in church and going to camp, I just, this switch kind of flipped for me and I just couldn't wait to go to church. You mm-hmm. just created this environment that you really wanted to be at. So I started going there, really was excited about everything they were doing. So what just for a minute, describe yeah. the
1: environment. What was it about yeah. the environment that drew you in that made yeah. you want to be there? It was,
0: it was really fun. So mm-hmm. I think I had largely seen church as something that was kind of boring and mm-hmm. not connected to your life. Mm-hmm. So it was just a blast. It felt like a celebration every week. Um, they were really relational. Mm-hmm. So there were young adult leaders investing in us alongside just other students that you kind of became friends with, whether they went to your school or not. And then the teaching was biblical, but it was so relevant to my life. So it, it made sense. It like, made sense. This to is me. the so exactly. what to
1: why I should mm-hmm. be in the Bible.
0: And so it, it just kind of came alive to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so I, with, with my story, one of my biggest struggles when I was in middle school and early high school was. Seeking the approval of other people, mm-hmm. and so I was really struggling with that, especially freshman and sophomore year of high school. They high school, and then sophomore year, I got invited on a mission trip. This was with a church I didn't go to, but some of my friends were going on this trip, so I kind of got talked into it. I didn't yeah. really want to go on
1: it. Where were y'all we going? And
0: so we went to Juarez, Mexico. Okay, so we're there, and then um, it was kind of wild to think about. Like that's mm-hmm. where we just went for spring break. Yeah. Now, so we go there, and it's it's hot during the day, it's cold at night. Um, You're, we're building a house for a family that was homeless. They didn't have a house. And so I remember at the end of the week, the guy that was leading the trip stands up there through tears, gives them the keys. And he says, this is what it's all about. And I just never forgot that. And Hmm. I remember experiencing that week, just the joy of following Jesus with other people and serving. And for me, for the first couple of years of high school, I thought that life and joy were found in being a great athlete, being in a certain social group, really seeking the approval of man. And I had yeah. seen in this week, it was actually found in a place that I didn't think I would find it. Mm. So me and some friends, we went home and we're like, what would it look like to not perfectly, but passionately kind of apply these things, not just on a spring break trip, but throughout the year. And so we started a ministry there called Iron Sharpens Iron at Highland Park.
1: So you're at this point, at the end of your sophomore year at the end of sophomore year. yeah,
0: And then, so I think point being is that's when I think God really captured my heart more. And I really understood more that my approval was not found in other people that's just fleeting Mm -hmm. it's found in what Jesus did for me. And this group of friends just became a group of guys that we just kind of live life and encourage each other. Um, And then went on to college and my, my goal was to get out of Highland park. I wanted to leave Dallas and went to the University of Oklahoma, the Harvard of the South, as we like to, we like to say, Mark and Boomer,
1: Boomer Sooner. That's right. And uh, has that been said on the Deep Light podcast yet? Or is that a first? It's probably been said at some level, um, but not, we, with t- not with that much joy. Not with that much joy, and we often make fun of Texas Tech. Yeah, um, I don't I'm know fine. Why? With that. But if you were listening to Texas tech radio and somehow you find your way here and you're offended we're sorry um but one of the people who's behind the scenes went to texas tech yeah. so well he, we have
0: our call is to speak the truth and love that's and that's what we, that's we have to do
1: okay go back to before we get to college yet, yeah because that's a whole nother chapter of transformation i'm sure uh-huh. go back to iron sharpens iron yeah i want to hear more about that you're 15 years old or 16 right. Somewhere right. In there. 16 uh-huh and you guys have this vision how how did y'all Put that together. Like, what was those conversations like between you and your friends?
0: Well, we we I look back on it now. Now that I've done ministry for a long time, Mm -hmm. and I'm I look back, and we we'll laugh about it today. We're like, what What were we doing? Like, there's so many things we would probably do differently. Yeah, and we were 16 year olds trying to lead a ministry, and fortunately, we had a lot of great people around us that were older that helped us walk through. But really, what happened is. When we came back, we started a group. Um, every Tuesday morning, we would go to breakfast at Kuby's over uh-huh. in Snyder Plaza, mm-hmm. and um, which shout out to Kuby's. I say this humbly. My picture is now on the wall there from those, really? from those times. So there's a picture of us four. I think they still have it. I need to go make sure if it survived. I've been told that it has, but um, we would just meet. And a lot of times it was just us having fun, talking football, laughing with each other, but then there would be times where we're asking each other how our faith is. What do we need prayer for? That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so we were just so blessed by that time. Mm -hmm. We were like, what would it look like to allow this and really open this up at a bigger level Mm -hmm. for people in the school Others to join others to join. So that's, it started out as a school club because that was just the most really easiest way to Mm -hmm. execute it. Yeah. And then, something happened there was some senior that did something crazy during one of the club days so they banned uh club day which is kind of what we were leaning on so we kind of went all out of the school and we started forming these little groups and then once a month they would all come together but the whole thing was just you know again not perfectly but just passionately we wanted to to say what is it look like to actually follow jesus in high school yeah and to, to have a student-led thing we just thought it was really powerful so that's kind of that's kind of what so to, to it in a
1: moment i want to come back to that because i think those were formative years and mm-hmm. you might not have even known it in terms of what you would end up doing and right and what you're doing today yeah, so you you graduate holland park you go to the university of oklahoma mm-hmm. what did you study so i was i
0: Changed it. Pro- I probably had the record at OU for changing my major. I mean, I was I and I tried to invent a new one. Like I met, I remember meeting with this counselor, and I was trying to invent this thing you're like, you're I wanted to do. These. Yeah, it was it was ridiculous. I could not figure it out, and I feel like I kind of had of an identity crisis the first few years of mm-hmm. I don't know who I am. Am I this guy? This guy? What am I going to do? And there's so much pressure to figure it out. So what ended up happening is I'm. Work, I'm going to answer this question, but I was working <laughs> at TBARM Sports Camp in New Brothels, a uh-huh. Christian camp down there, yeah. which was extremely formative for me. I was a camper there, high school work crew, counselor, and then the leadership team. And I was a counselor there, and I just loved it. I had so much fun in the summer. And I remember my dad specifically telling me that he was like, I haven't seen you this alive with something like, I think you need to think about this maybe being the route that you go. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of thought I would go to law school or do something else. So I was going to do political science or business or something. And I started taking philosophy classes and I just loved them. And my, my dad always told me, do what you love and the money will take care of itself later. So I was like, I'm just going to do that. So I switched my major to philosophy, minored in psychology and religion. And the plan was go into ministry but philosophy is like the number one law school entrance exam yeah. degree it's so like worst case scenario i'll just i'll go that route so i ended up doing it and i loved it and people would always say what are you going to do with that and i truly use it every day so the the uh so you're using it i really do the philosophy department and is the money what they were talking about i don't mm-hmm. know well have, we're gonna we'll have to talk <laughs> about that afterwards but uh yeah. yeah. And I don't know if it does deep light get you a raise. I don't know how that works. Well, we uh, we have that. product placement now. Yeah, we do. Um, so, we we need a sponsor, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so we'll, so we'll you, see. F-
1: you finish OU and then. Peak the so, there. well, so
0: what happened is junior year of college, I go on a mission trip to Uganda. Okay. And I'm in the middle of a field and kids are playing soccer. We're putting on a camp for kids in this village in Uganda. I mean, it takes like two days to get to the village. Yeah. You it's know. amazing. And for me, I had always kind of seen Africa as the quintessential mission trip, right? Like Mm -hmm. you go to Africa, that's the mission trip. And I had been to Juarez, Mexico, done some stuff in South Dallas. I got to go to New Orleans after the hurricane. And now I'm in Africa. I was like, man, I've, I've gotten a lot of cool mission opportunities. But I remember in that field, really feeling the Lord tell me, that he was calling me to go back to Dallas, that Dallas is actually the hardest mission field in the world, mm-hmm. um, one of them. And I just remember being blown away when I was in Africa, realizing that this actually isn't the hard mission field I mm-hmm. thought it was gonna be. They really don't have anything mm-hmm. and they have so much more joy than we do. It's just mm-hmm. the simplicity of only having Jesus and each other. Right. And so I just remember being like, going home to Dallas into a more affluent area where Christianity is very cultural. Mm-hmm. It's actually the hardest, one of the hardest mission fields that there is. I know that's part of your story and kind of yeah, calling here. Yeah, just
1: the idea of if it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom yeah. of heaven in places where there's a lot of wealth, spiritually would be mm-hmm. then uh, some of the poorest places on earth, spiritually. Yeah, And um, and that's what you're saying, which I think is powerful. So you you have a sense from the Holy Spirit, you're there on a mission trip, that there is a calling that he's creating in you or giving you that's going to bring you back to Dallas. Was that something that filled you with joy or was it disappointing or neutral? What was going through your heart and mind?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I got, it was interesting when I was at OU, you know, again, originally wanting to leave. And then mm-hmm. I was just kind of figuring out stuff and what, what I wanted to do. Um, I began to get this heart for Dallas again. Mm-hmm. I would always enjoy coming back. Mm-hmm. And I, so I think he began to put in me, this love for the city. Yeah. And so when that, when that pieces started coming together a little bit, I, I became really excited and I I didn't know what it was going to look like. So the the journey kind of became just uh, steps of faith and he'll, he'll open doors. And, uh, but that, so it really, I think it was really filled with excitement, but it was more of, I have no idea what this is going to look like, but I just know that that's, that's where I'm supposed to be. But it's, I think it's cool because I think a lot of times in our context, you can feel called to a job, but I think it's important to feel called to the city mm-hmm. and to the community and the area and the people. And I think that's, that calling is bigger than just a specific job. Why do you which think is important?
1: Cause I like how you said that. Why do you think that's true though? What's, what's yeah. underneath that, that gives you that passion and that drive? I just, I think that so many times in
0: ministry, you know, we're in hiring season, right. And with, with the youth ministry with our residency program, and you can just tell, when someone's looking for a job versus when someone has a calling, yeah, it's just so different. And I just think, and you've talked about this to me, but the calling is what keeps you going on the hard days. And there's a lot of hard days in ministry. So if it's just a job, I think it's, it's easy to get discouraged or just kind of punch the clock or whatever. Mm -hmm. But the calling means you, you feel called to the people. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you're not just looking for the next thing. Mm -hmm. You're, you're going to be where he calls you as long as that is uh, or how short that is. Um, So I, I just think there's a deeper sense when it's, when it's a calling, not just, not just a job. So you have,
1: you've been here at PCPC. How long now? I'm going on, this is my sixth year, Sixth year. You Mm -hmm. started with the middle school and this last year. So you've transitioned into leading the high school ministry. And um, a lot of people watching this or listening to this today, might be members of PCPC, others might not. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, we're in a series on uh, really parenting and all all aspects of parenting. And this will be a topic that we take on, you know, through Deep Light over a, a number of different ways overseas, various seasons. But one of the things I thought would be really interesting for parents to hear from you, because you walk with so many students, you know, every week, is what is it like for them like what what is their world like what are they yeah. thinking how are they viewing things and then what is it like for you as somebody called to to shepherd them and encourage them along with the parents does that make sense yeah so what i would love for you to start with is what is the burden that god's given you for middle school and high school students as it relates to the gospel
0: yeah well i mean i think one is my life was so impacted in those age mm-hmm. in that age frame. And mm-hmm. that's, um, for me where that's just where it's so real. I mean, you're struggling with very real things mm-hmm. and so to have someone, including your parents, but other leaders mm-hmm. walk with you through those years. It's so foundational. So I experienced it, the mm-hmm. blessing of it. Um, and then just, we well, we can talk about this as part of my answer, but the world we live in today is a—it's a really difficult time to be a middle schooler or a high schooler, mm-hmm. um, and there's there's a lot of reasons for that which we can we can dive in. Yeah. I mean, um, we we try to stay on the the most recent information on all that, but um, I think in particular today, if you study generational trends, you know this is Generation Z now, mm-hmm. and so. Gen Z is, is age nine through 24, 25, which means our, our youth ministry college and young adult are now Gen Z, Gen which Z, is the first right. time that that's happened. Right. And so we're now, we now have the information, which I mean, I'm sure you've, you've read this stuff, but it's really the first generation that all they've known is a world of technology. Yeah. And so for me, the iPhone came out when, I think when I was late in high school, I got one freshman year of college and all I wanted was the ESPN app. I mean, I was so (laughs) excited. I didn't even know all this other stuff for them. That's all they know. Yeah. And so what comes with that are some really positive things, but also some real challenges. And some of the challenges are, um, one, they, the, the mental health and anxiety that's come with that is Mm -hmm. just through the roof. Um, why,
1: why do you think? Yeah, I mean, I know you're not an expert necessarily in all those dynamics. What do you see mm-hmm. as somebody who walks with them as the anxiety-producing, mental health-challenging things that come yeah. as a result of it? What do you see on the ground?
0: Well, and one, it's uh, my own experience because it's caused it for me. Yeah. You know, I've walked yeah. in the anxiety of that the technology has caused. But um, one is just social media. I mean, the there's a constant comparison game that mm-hmm. they're playing whether they know it or not. Mm-hmm. And so there's, you're always seeing where someone else is going on a trip, what they're wearing. It's um, there was this really interesting interview. I can't remember. I think it was on 60 minutes. It was something like that, but it was with one of the guys that was high up with Facebook and Instagram. And one of the phrases he used, I've never forgotten it is it was like, it's designed to take advantage of something in human psychology And it's, they called it a social validation feedback loop. Mm -hmm. And I've just never forgot that phrase. Social validation feedback. And that's what's happening. So like, whether it's Instagram where you can instantly get feedback on how many likes you get, and you can now, to my knowledge, as someone that's very bad on social media, you can change it to where people can't see how many likes you get, but you can. Hmm. So you can limit them being able to judge the likes, but you can still look at it. You know Snapchat. You're getting instant feedback from someone that you're reaching out to, mm-hmm. and that releases something in the brain, right? So there's just this constant living in um, the anxiety of people's approval, of comparison. Um, there's there's a I think with the, with anxiety and just other things. There's an expectation of instant gratification because mm-hmm. things are so readily available. Um, so those are those are some of the the challenges. The, the other thing is that, and this will probably be a future question we'll, we'll need to dig into, but with all these things that have gone on with technology, and just the culture, the one of the top questions they're asking is about identity. Mm-hmm. So identity is maybe the number one issue facing really us in our country today, mm-hmm. but really that generation in terms mm-hmm. of questions. Now the positives, some of the really cool things that have come from this, is this generation, because they're so exposed to the world Mm -hmm. with technology, like if you think about the war that's going on right now in Ukraine, they can see a video clip of it like they're there. It's crazy. That's never really happened. But because of that, they're so much more aware of of brokenness Mm -hmm. that they're asking really good questions. So the questions that students ask today, even compared to 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. are so profound and they're hungry truth and really good answers. They're very authentic. Um, and then there's a hunger for mission Mm -hmm. because of that too. This, Mm -hmm. and you see that with high school students is what lights them up is the thought of living on a mission. Mm -hmm. So those are, I think some of the unique things that we're, we're kind of dealing with today.
1: So let's, let's unpack some of those. Um, you in your own story talked about feeling a little bit lost, in middle school and high school. Who am I? Mm-hmm. That's very common, right? I mean, almost every middle school, high school student, and probably even younger now, begins to try to sort that out. Who am I? What am I? Now, that doesn't always go away. There's plenty of adults who are probably asking those same questions. But the difference with technology is that there's just so much more to manage, to receive, to translate, to try to figure all that out while you're still dealing with the big questions. So now you have parents who are, and I'm a parent, I've got five children, I've my first grandchild on the way. Can not imagine what their world is gonna be like. I'm not even sure what we're gonna call that generation yet. Maybe they probably have a term already, but Z's the last letter, so I don't know what it's gonna be. <laughs> so what happens to parents so often is, we, we have obviously great concerns for our children growing up, being citizens that we'd hope, love the Lord, et cetera but then we can get very fearful of the world that they're in and also kind of clueless to the world that they're in. So tell me, as you walk with high school students and middle school students kind of weekly, um, how would they define their life? What would students say, these are the main issues of my life? This is what I'm heavy hearted about this is what i'm concerned about this is what i'm afraid of this is what gets me excited what are some of those things like just with one word answers if you can yeah. like or you know maybe a few words that would just describe high school students middle school students are concerned about film mm-hmm. blank oh man you I mentioned mean, one already identity yeah identity
0: stress anxiety depression mental health mm-hmm. that whole thing um social connection that's that's another element of the whole thing is that they're they're receiving idealistic views of relationships mm-hmm. on technology. Mm-hmm. So they're hungry for real relationships and mm-hmm. real community. Um, purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, they There's an increased, I think, emphasis on success. Mm-hmm. So you see it with sports. You see it with school, with building a resume. Um, so Which
1: creates added pressure right, at every right. level. If you're going to be successful mm-hmm. or excellent, then to get there, there's going to be pressure Mm -hmm. that you've got to feel or deal with in order to achieve.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so some of these things are, are great things that can be channeled really well. And then Mm -hmm. some of these things are legitimate struggles because of, of some of the waters that, that they're swimming in.
1: Yeah. So where do they look for answers?
0: Well, and I think, so I think that's, that's where hopefully we can come in and, and help a little bit because I think the longer you do this, the more you see that what happens in the family is, is just so transformational. And that's, that's how God designed it to be. I mean, you see that all throughout scripture that Mm -hmm. the family really is intended to be the primary disciple makers in in the home. So we're not, it's not intended to be, they drop them off with us and we take care of it. Right. Mm -hmm. So you, you really see the values that the parents instill Mm -hmm. is, is huge, whether, and it's more caught than taught. Mm -hmm. So whether it's stated explicitly or not, I mean, they're. They're doing that. So that's that's one area they're looking for answers, whether they realize it or not. Um, so let me stop there.
1: Yeah. So some parents would think, my children have no interest in what I'm studying or thinking right. about spiritually. Because when I try to talk to them, it's not like they show up and say, Father, <laughs> give me your wisdom. Um, but they're probably learning and watching a lot more than we realize. Is that true? They, they
0: definitely are. Yeah. And you... Just, I think part of this job is like you mentioned it, not, not having kids, you know, I'm not a parenting expert, but one thing that you see is you can trace a lot of, and it's not, it's not hundred percent, right. But you can just trace a lot of values of kids back to what happens in the home. Yeah. And so I think that they're definitely absorbing it. Um, it's like a fish being in water. They just, they don't know what it's necessarily like to be out of water. Yeah. So it's just, it's shaping them. Yeah. The water that they're in, so that's that's uh, that's one of the biggest. They're looking to social media and technology, and that's what's interesting is that, for example, TikTok. There's a lot of messages on TikTok. People really use that as a platform, mm-hmm. and so I'll have students send me things that they're they're watching, and whether that's a Christian speaker or whether it's a motivational speaker or whatever. Um, so they're they're certainly absorbing things that they're watching, whether it's an Instagram video, something on TikTok. Um, they're looking to friends because of that social validation. Um, I think when they get a little older, what a teacher may say is someone that they respect intellectually mm-hmm. that really matters to them that has intellectual weight with them. Yeah. Um, and then they're, they're looking for mentors. So I think that's another thing about the generation is that I was, I was reading about this, that just because of some of these factors that they really are going to need mentoring Mm -hmm. that a lot of churches aren't even providing. Mm. And so they're, you've probably seen it as a lot of, of the generation and and really our generation included will raise their hand and and crave mentoring relationships. And we just, we see that a lot, whether it's our residents that come in kind of on the older end of it, Mm -hmm. or whether it's middle school, high school is there's a, there's a craving for that kind of mentoring type of relationship, and I think we see that
1: a lot. So with um, parents who have middle school or high school students or both, when they're thinking about what their desires or aspirations should be for their children spiritually, some might think, well, they're gonna go through these, you know, middle school, high school years, and there's not gonna be much of an appetite for that. One of the things I appreciate about you, and it's part of your own story, and mine too, I became a Christian when I was 15 and a half, is God really grabbed hold of me, and He grabbed hold of you. And all of a sudden, who He was, how I thought about my life and relationship to who I am in Christ, I didn't even use that language back then, but it was certainly in my thought process, um, began to form everything. And I think sometimes we can lower the expectations that we have for our, our children, who are growing up in this kind of age and stage. But what I love about you is you don't do that. You Hmm. really have deep respect for each student and their capacity truly to mature in Christ. Is that true? Yeah. So what does that look like? How does that drive you? And how should parents be encouraged to think about their own children's spirituality? Yeah, I... in. You said
0: it earlier. One thing to kind of preface to this answer is that we can't manufacture it, right? I mean, God captured me in a way that had nothing to do with me. And same with you. You mm-hmm. know, I he gave me eyes to see something I would not have seen it's grace. on my own. It's his grace. So I think in one sense, there is this, we have to keep, you know, as I've heard it put, uh, we put the kindling out there and just pray God ignites it. And when God ignites it in a student, it's one of the coolest things to see, but you're aware
1: he's the one that ignited it. But we, from which, go- Yeah, which means for parents listening, it's like there's real power in prayer. Yeah. And we, we do because we often have so much fear about how our children are growing up, et cetera. We are tempted to manufacture things that cannot generate what yeah. only God can regenerate. But prayer is important. It's yeah. like really praying for God to bring people like you into their lives who will throw out the kindling, who will uh, show them that the word of God is alive, who will show them, uh, what it means to live for something other than yourself. Um, one of the things I've always said about our culture where we live is most of the children in our community and, and most of the children in America have everything to live with, but so little to live for. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened to you and more when that key yeah. was turned, all of a sudden it's like, this is what it's all about. So parents need to be praying for that. Like that's a bold prayer. Yeah, that's right. That's Sorry, right. cut you off. Keep going. No, that's great, and I mean it totally
0: relates. And so, kind of that that concept you're asking about, just in terms of having that expectation or mm-hmm. heart for mm-hmm. students to just really get it and not not wait on it or mm-hmm. kind of sugarcoat it because they're younger. I mean, I think it comes from first of all, one of my favorite verses is Matthew 13:44. That's a one verse parable, which mm-hmm. I love. in mm-hmm. short. <laughs> but it's this idea where Jesus basically says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. That yeah. when a guy found it, he went and sold all that he had so he could buy the field. And so the way that scripture presents following Jesus, the way Dallas Willard puts it is it's the greatest opportunity you'll ever have in life. Yeah. And that's what happened for me in high school is I got to open my eyes to see that because some older people were living like that was true and I, I was like, yeah, this isn't just some boring thing you do on Sundays. Mm-hmm. This is actually the greatest treasure and opportunity you have in life. So my whole thing, I think, with students is if that's true, then it should affect everything. Yeah. And so there's just kind of this belief of, I think that's true. And if God opens your eyes to see it, and he, he says that he does, right? Mm-hmm. He says that he, he invites children to get it. And sometimes they even get it better than me, and I learn Mm -hmm. from them. Yeah, but I just so I think that that's where it comes from is that, um, it's it's something that a kid can get, whatever their age is. Mm -hmm. But if it if it really is what Jesus says it is, um, then I yeah I want I want them to get it, and I Mm -hmm. want it to affect everything in their life. And so I think, and the other thing is that I've heard. You know, like Jen Wilkin is a, a Bible teacher at the Village Church, and mm-hmm. she just does phenomenal stuff with with Bible education. And one of the things I remember hearing her, hearing her speak at a youth conference, and mm-hmm. one of the things she was saying was, and I've never forgotten this, but with students, they're being taught high level stuff at school. Like mm-hmm. some of the stuff they're learning is like I'll look at their if I look at their math homework. Yeah, I'll be like, I have no idea how to do that yeah. right now. You know. And so when they come here, we shouldn't lower the bar mm-hmm. because it's actually, especially with intellectually, it's the most raised for them in this phase of their life. Yeah. So they can handle a lot more than yeah. I think we sometimes ask of them.
1: Yeah, I agree totally. And I think that one of the aspects of it that's so important to remember is that this this word, it, we're told that it's living that it's active and Jim Rayburn who founded Young Life said you know it's it's a sin to bore a kid with the gospel and I love that statement I always have because I grew up at least the first five or six years of my life going to church and it was really not fun Um, and then my parents stopped going and I was really excited about that because it was like having two Saturdays in a row I didn't have to get up get dressed go to church but when I came to faith it was because my Young Life leader was teaching from the bible and his stories which connected to the stories of christ were unbelievable and i wanted to be a part of that but more than that though i saw how much it mattered in his life that to him there was nothing more important and you quoted dallas willard earlier and dallas willard i know talks about um this language of the cost of discipleship but he would prefer to talk about the cost of Mm non-discipleship because that cost is far far greater and I love that you are leading that way. That there is something so attractive about following Jesus. It's not an easy life, but it is a better life. So, we're doing this interview here in April, and the PCPC Florida trip is coming. Um, and I'm going to be a part of that with you, which I can't wait. You know, 19 years ago, <laughs> I did my first Florida trip, and I've not been back in a while. So I can't wait to do it with you. But we were talking before we started recording about your heart for this trip. The theme that the Lord's put on your heart. Talk about that for a minute, because it has a lot to do with what we're talking about.
0: Yeah, yeah. I feel like as is the case with us when we when we teach, is that it is a lot of the overflow of what God's showing us. Right. So some of it's just stuff I've been thinking about and been been encouraged by, but. Mm Yeah, the you know, as as you know, it's a combination of students that really are all across the board in Mm -hmm. terms of where they are spiritually. Yeah, their interests. Some are very committed. Some Mm -hmm. are lost.
1: Some don't know what they're thinking. Totally. But they're all going to be together. They're going to be gathering,
0: and and you and I are going to see what we can do. So, um, but the the two phrases that just keep coming back to me is Jesus is better and Jesus is enough. And those are phrases that God has taught me over the years, Mm -hmm. really season after season, whether it's a great season or a season of struggle, Mm -hmm. that you just keep going back to these, that Jesus is better than anything else, his love, his joy, a relationship with him, and then he's enough. Whatever your struggles and temptations are, he's enough. So, and if the theme is just all throughout scripture Mm -hmm. and it applies to anyone in whatever Mm -hmm. situation. So that's really our heart is, um, I, you know, I don't want them. I want to do things with excellence because excellence, it honors the Lord and mm-hmm. it inspires people, mm-hmm. but I don't want them leaving, especially in kind of a consumeristic culture saying the band was great. Will and Mark were great. the volleyball tournament was great. I don't want those things to be great, but I want them leaving saying that Jesus was great and he's still great when I go home. It's mm-hmm. not just a one week relationship. Mm-hmm. It lasts with me the whole year. And we want to talk about what that means. So I'm thinking about, you know, Psalm 34, 8 through 10, which mm-hmm. says even the, the young lions go hungry, mm-hmm. but those who have the Lord lack nothing. Yeah. You know, I um, mean, you just see that throughout scripture. Mm. Psalm 16, he says, fullness of joy. Mm-hmm. And in his presence is fullness of joy. Mm-hmm. And so just fleshing that out and talking about what that actually looks like. I think it's so relatable and relevant to, to me, to you, mm-hmm. but to a high school student,
1: wherever they're at. So as a dad, as a pastor, um, I often ask the question, what do my children need most from me? And I think it's a great question for any parent to be asking. And um, I think the answer is always the same. They need my abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. They need to see me resting in Christ alone, believing that he is better and that he is enough. It's, it's that simple. It's hard mm-hmm. to live, but it's that simple. And so if you're listening and you're a parent, think about this, is your children look at you. Do they see you as a woman, as a man saying, Christ is the best. I mean, of all the things that we have, of all the blessings we've been given, he is better. He's better than all of it. And in moments of crisis or doubt or fear, can they really sense you resting and trusting in him that he's enough no matter what? And when my wife, Christina, and I talk about that, because, you know, we face all sorts of challenges. Our, our kids could have their own challenges. We could have our own challenges. But when it comes down to it, where are we anchoring? And we, our children are watching. And one of the great questions would be when a child, or really any time, whether they're you know still in middle school, high school, or they've already graduated, When you look at me as a man, I can say this to my children, do you see me as a man saying Jesus is enough? Do you see me as a man saying Jesus is better? And if the answer is no, I want to know that. And if it's no, what do you see as being more important? What do you see as being more secure? And I really want to encourage parents, if you're listening to this and you know, man, I don't live that way. Jesus isn't better and he's not enough in terms of how I live every day. It's not too late. I mean one of the great things or one of the great deceptions i think parents have is we we feel like we've got to be perfect with this like we can't show any limitations or weaknesses to our children one of the most powerful things a child can witness is your own transformation whether that's coming to faith or whether that's growing in faith those things are all a work of regeneration it really is a work of god's spirit saying i want i'm going to change this in you which if you have to change that means something needed to take place in you either new birth or you know more sanctification and for our children to see that is really really powerful i've said to my kids before you know what this lately has been more important to me or i've trusted more in this it could be the opinions of man it could be a hobby that i'm pursuing or whatever and they've always appreciated that and sometimes have said oh i know we could see that you kind of have i'd lost your your direction a little bit humbling but I'm so grateful. Mm-hmm. What do you think about all that?
0: No, I love that. And I think I think that's one of the beauties of the church is that even beyond the family is we're called to belong to the church. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things we'll talk to the students about is don't just be here, but belong here. Mm-hmm. And we, we want to help figure out how to do that well. Um, but when you get to walk with other people and they, they get to know a leader that's maybe a little older than them, they get to see that, Jesus affecting our lives, but at the same time we have our imperfections. And yeah, like you said, one of the most powerful ways to for someone to learn is to see what we do with that. That when I fail, when I when they see me fail or go through a hard season, they don't because of the gospel. Because the gospel's true, they don't see me cover that up. They don't see me uh, respond with self dependence. They get to see a response of humility and saying. Mm-hmm because Jesus paid for that, I can be honest about it and I can, I can get up again and it actually draws me closer to him, not away from him. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that can be so transformational too is just seeing how we respond when we fail, which is very often. Yeah. So I totally agree with you.
1: What are some of the uh, most frequent questions, uh, but also maybe some of the deepest questions students are asking you uh, about their own faith?
0: Oh man, they, they blow me away with the questions they asked. I mean, there's, and they, I feel like they, are, they normally come in late at night. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're like, okay, it is, it is about that time. And I am, I am definitely re-upping for another 30 minutes here. Mm-hmm. Cause I got to figure this out. But, um, they there's, it kind of depends where they're at mm-hmm. in, in their faith. I would say there's, there's a couple main categories. There's the, there's the questions of You see a lot of masks just in terms of they want to know how they can trust that this is true Mm -hmm. because they're in environments, especially learning environments.
1: Where there's not guaranteed that they're going to say it's true.
0: And you're, I mean, I remember freshman year of biology at Highland Park. um, One of the teachers and she was, she was great. One of the things she candidly asserted was just some belief she had on evolution. And she's like, hey, this, some of these things I'm telling you, they're not compatible with what some of you may believe biblically. You're going to have to figure that out. Mm-hmm. And so they're in an environment where they're having these discussions. Mm-hmm. So a lot of them will come in and be like, Hey, in one of my classes, I heard this. I mean, even if they're in a Christian school, they're just, they're in a time where they're wrestling with, is it true? Is it true? How and do I know? How do I know? Cause they want to, they want to know if they're on solid ground. And if you think about it, I mean, we believe that God became a man. He was killed and he raised from the dead. Like, that's pretty crazy, Mm -hmm. you know?
1: And he was born of a virgin. Right. He
0: was born of a virgin. Teenage, teenage,
1: teenage virgin gives birth to God. Yeah. And and
0: you're, you're banking your life on that. Yeah. I mean, that sounds fairly crazy, right? Mm -hmm. That God, we believe he's triune. He's three in one. Mm -hmm. Like I can't, I can't wrap my mind around that. Mm -hmm. And so to really be able to sit down and have these conversations of, um, I remember when I was doing middle school ministry, I didn't ask me anything Sunday. And mm-hmm. so I passed out note cards. These are my favorite things to do. Mm-hmm. I do, I like doing these in our small groups, which you got to come to one of these, but just kind of, let's well, see you where this ask? goes. And mm-hmm. I, I have it, I need to find it because we had the flood a few months ago, but I think yeah. I still have it, but I hung it up in my office because multiple kids asked this, but uh, the way a girl said it, that she basically said, how do we know that the things we're taught are true? Mm. And I just never forgot that, that that's what they really wanted to know is they're being taught this stuff, but are we also showing them how we can really rest in the truth of it? So that's one. The, the other section would be more practical things. So they're, they're engaging in friendships. So they're asking practical things on how do you handle that? They're in cultures of gossip and tearing mm. people down all the time. Yeah. Um, they're dealing with guy, girl relationships. Um, they're dealing with sexual temptation. So they're asking about, is this a sin? Is this not, wait, why is this a sin? Because it feels really good. And so they're asking these kind of questions. Um, they're dealing with really tough family and friend situations. So Mm -hmm. they're, they're asking those. So I I think it's a balance of uh, one more I thought of is even the sports schedules are so crazy. Yeah. So they're asking, how do you manage all this? There's sports schedule. There's there's school, but I know I'm supposed to be belonging to the Christian community. Mm-hmm. So there's, I'd say there's like the theology, kind of how can we believe this is true? And then there's the practical, yeah. living that out. Those are, I think, the two categories we, we probably hear the most of.
1: So some kids will talk to their parents about these kind of questions and some will not. You know, they just may have them quietly. But it would be easy for a parent to feel like, what if I don't know the answer? What do I do? i um, like, if a child asked me a theological question, like, how do we know it's true? Uh, and I don't have an answer. What should I do? How would you encourage yeah. parents?
0: Well, I, I think there's a few ways. I mean, one, there was a, there's literally last night is a high schooler texted me and asked me a question about Ecclesiastes seven. Yeah,
1: all right. I get that one. all the yeah, time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I can't say off the top of my head, I can just give you the answer. Mm-hmm. So it was a, Hey, are you okay if I look into that a little bit and get back to you? Yeah. And because I think, and you've even talked about this, you know, sometimes we have to go on the spot, but sometimes it's good to say, let me really think about that and make sure I say something that's helpful. Yeah. And so I think even if, if you don't know, admitting that and saying, that's a really good question, I would love to learn that with you. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you one thing is I'm going to go to this book you know, pointing to this Bible I brought mm-hmm. to find, to seek the answer yeah. and I'm going to, or I'm going to talk to people that know it really well. Yeah. Like that's where I'm going to go for it. But I, I need to dig into that. I think that's one of the best things you can do in that. I have to do regularly, even in this role is to say, I need to look into that a little bit, but I'd love to invite you on that process. Uh, but there's so many great resources out there. RC Sproul has this book, and I can't remember what it's called, but it's essential truths
1: of the Christian it's, faith. It's that's the, one of there's one the question one is, and answer. Yeah, book. yeah it's actually it's maybe the worst cover ever put <laughs> on a book, but it's called. Now that's a Good that's question. It that's a, yeah. it's about as cheesy as it that corny title right but there. But the content <laughs> is is fantastic, really good. Um, so there are great resources that are out there, but I think the humility of confessing I don't know the answer, um, or that. Just, I'm not sure what the answer is, but I'll, I'll find that out with you. I think it's a great posture for parents to have with, with their children. Um, but then you need to be serious about that, right? And actually go look things up. And there's all sorts of resources that are out there. If you need help, you can certainly reach out to us here at the church. Um, you can go online and find out all sorts of things, but just because it's online doesn't mean it's true. And this is what's important is your child may look up an answer online and feel like because a minister, a priest, an author said it, therefore it's true. It might not be true. There's a lot of people coming from a lot of different angles. So yeah. identifying the sources that are truly focused on scripture is really important. And I think with that, being confident
0: that even if you don't know the answer, there's really smart people that love the Lord that have done the work. I remember being in college and I was exposed to all these non-Christian philosophy ideas really smart people that have shaped society in education systems. And it's intimidating. And I remember in one of my last classes, I'm the only Christian. There was one other guy, there are two of us in this, you know, higher level philosophy class. Mm -hmm. And it was so intimidating. And of course I chose the topic of belief in God is, is reliable or trustworthy or whatever. And I was like, why did I do this? (laughs) But um, Alvin Plantinga is a philosopher he was just a genius. And I remember a non-Christian philosophy professor at OU admitted one time, he was like, it's so tempting to be a Christian just because Alvin gets one because mm-hmm. he's so smart. And point being that a lot of the questions that kids have, they're, getting, they're hearing things in school, they're reading things, they're getting these snippets that this book's not reliable. And it's a lot yeah. of textual criticism things or yeah. things about, well, the, you can't trust the manuscripts or this word means this and they translate it wrong. There's really smart people that have done great research on it. So it's worth just taking a breath and saying, I'm going to dig in a little bit and, and find some really good people that have come up with some helpful answers.
1: Yeah, because that, that that is a lot of fun. And there are people that would help. I mean, here in Dallas alone, from the two seminaries that are here, obviously DTS, Dallas Theological Seminary, and then RTS is here now as well. There are so many places to get resources, the bookstore at our church, um, but as well as is online. But more than anything, just the relational pursuit of doing that together, I think is great. And my my children actually like asking me hard questions. And they love it when I have to say, I don't know, I need to go think about that a little bit. Um, I know that most people's children would love the same thing. We were together in uh, a living room, you know, a few months back, and you did one of those Q&A things, and I got to be there. Uh, which was a blast. And the questions were so sincere. And it wasn't just like, did the dinosaurs exist? Um, I think there might have been one or two of those with alien stuff. But most of it really was centered on theology. What does the Bible really say about who God is? And the practical side of things, like how do we live this out in this world? And to me, that was one of the most encouraging nights I've had in a long time, just seeing the hunger and thirst that 15 year old 16 year old 17 year olds have to know what the bible has to say as you uh, as we wrap up um and you think about what you would want parents to know most about the ministry here at park city's Presbyterian church for their students what are some things you'd want to share
0: yeah i mean what what i think i would say is is we're not perfect and we're always trying to to get better but the, the one thing that we talk about that we're, we try to just be laser focused on and we're just constantly trying to work towards it is we talk about when Paul described his own ministry, we talk about this all the time with our staff. He, in 1 Thessalonians 1 8, mm-hmm. the way he did ministry, and it really reflects how Jesus did ministry. Mm-hmm is he says, we love you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but our lives as well. So what we always talk about is the two things we really wanna be about is we wanna be laser focused on the gospel is the first thing. And that's Mm -hmm. because I have learned, and a lot of this has been my own story, is that um, a lot of the messages we get in Christianity, and I I even thought this for a long time, is more about behavior, morality, Mm self-improvement. And that's not the gospel. The gospel is not what we do. It's what Jesus has done. Mm-hmm. And that's ultimately what changes us. So Thomas Chalmers wrote Puritan Guy, Expulsive mm-hmm. Power of a New Affection. Mm-hmm. He's got this awesome quote I go back to all the time. It's the idea that morality and self-discipline isn't what changes you. Mm-hmm. It's seeing that Jesus is better than anything else, mm-hmm. which is why we're doing that in Florida. That just awakens in and, enough. and enough, yeah. right? And so our whole thing is we just constantly want to put the gospel of Jesus in front of people, what Mm -hmm. he did on the cross for them and how he rose from the dead. Because when that, that is what captures them. That's, what's going to change them. Not telling them to behave better. Don't do these things, do these things that has a role, but it's the overflow of a changed heart. So we, we're really trying to be just laser focused on that with everything we do. Yeah. And then secondly, just relationships. We, everything we do, we try to make it an on-ramp for relationships with um one of the things someone once told me was that the, the need in, in student ministry, youth ministry is always the same, how you execute that changes, mm-hmm. but it's, it's for a leader to, connect a student with God and with his people. Mm -hmm. And so we just, everything we do is really to that end. So you call it multiple doors Mm -hmm. that not every student's going to connect with everything, but everything we do is hopefully an on-ramp for relationships, whether that's Sunday morning, whether that's a small group, whether that's just a relationship outside of everything Mm -hmm. at Chick-fil-A, whether it's um, a mission trip, Florida trip, we just, we want those to be opportunities for relationships, um, and so some people that's easy because their friends go here; mm-hmm. it's easier to connect. They they like the whole walk into a big room thing on Sundays. Others of them, their friends go to a different school, or there's other things that mm-hmm. make it harder. So whatever that is, we we want to know so we can we can do our best on our end to, to try to help bridge it if we can.
1: Yeah, and I, I love that model. I think it's the right model. I think it's the biblical model. And it's actually true not just for students. So. If you're listening to this, watching, and you're a parent, we have things at our church, and other churches do as well, that are meant to help you have the same experience. In other words, you can be in community with others. Uh, Sunday mornings, we have a Young Families Sunday Morning community that's about helping families come together, hear the same types of truths that we want their children to hear so that they can continue to grow together. Because so often as a parent, you feel like we're the only ones, or we're alone and in a community that's so focused on behavior you know you you just don't want your child to be the one that dot 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 or gets out of line and again it's not that that doesn't matter it's just not what matters most if a child has the right beliefs about god he then understands or she understands the heart change that then gives us the desires for the things comes back to what do your children need most from you your abiding relationship with Jesus. Where is that proven in Scripture? John fifteen. Jesus said over and over again, "Abide, abide, abide." He also says in that same chapter, "It is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit." So proving to be my disciples, and then he says, "Apart from me, you can do nothing." So the fruit of the Spirit, um, you know, love, joy, peace, all of that, cannot be presented unless we're abiding in Christ. And that's why we talk so much about belief you believe that jesus is better you believe that jesus is enough you believe that jesus alone is the way of salvation all of a sudden those things begin to generate a heart that is secure in christ and from that flows all the things we're talking about Um, i could not be more encouraged um, with who you are as a man of god Um, i have two children uh, who are still in those adolescent years, um, a 12-year-old and almost a 14-year-old at this recording, and soon she'll be in the high school ministry with you, and my other little guy will be coming up very quickly as well. And to know that someone is giving this kind of prayer focus, this kind of saturation in the Word of God, the, the way in which you study the Word is very encouraging for me, and I know the other parents who are part of this church, very, very grateful for what the Lord's doing in your life, what he's done and what he will do so thanks for giving us time today if you are new to the podcast or you have questions about any of this a relationship with christ or parenting or any of those things please reach out to us at deep at pcpc.org or call the church 214-224-2500 we'd be happy to help in any way we can god bless you and thanks for watching thanks will
0: thanks for having me yep Thank you for listening to the Deep Light podcast from Park City's Presbyterian Church. We would love for you to be our guest this Sunday morning as we gather together for worship at 8, 9.30, or 11 a.m. We are located in the Uptown Dallas area at the corner of Oaklawn Avenue and Wycliffe Avenue. To find out more, please visit pcpc.org.